want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. If you're a guest today, we've got a bulletin that will guide you throughout the entire service, and we have restrooms in the back. We have uh, pamphlets in the back about our church. Uh, we're so grateful that you joined us, and we hope you have a pleasant experience today. We had our um, financial meeting last Tuesday, updating everyone at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And if you were unable to come but have any sort of internet device, we're going to have a closed link where you can go and watch what we said and the questions that were asked that's um, being put together now. You'll be able to see every, every topic that we covered and make sure you understand it. Um, our good news, if you look on the back of the bulletin, we're working on the technology. We're going to have as many of these as we can, the artwork of our children on the back of the bulletin. And children, if you would like to have uh, artwork in the bulletin, you can draw in between the lines. Make sure you there are no lines, but stay within the invisible lines. Parents, show them where the invisible line will be in between the words. And that artwork will be in our bulletin. Um, we have adult studies at 6 p.m. normally on Sunday nights, led by Bob and Bobby McQuaid. Now it's um, Bobby that's teaching. We had one Sunday where we had poor weather and we didn't have any programming whatsoever and that was a Bob Sunday. And so he's teaching at 5 p.m. today in the social hall. He's teaching at 5 and then there's a 10 minute break and then Bobby is resuming what she was normally, what she would normally do at 6 p.m. So if you are an adult and would like to go to that, you are certainly welcome to do that at 5. Um, all children and you show up at 5 o'clock anyway uh, for pizza. Um, I'm going to call on Lauren for an announcement. Good morning. Uh, you probably noticed this morning that the choir is all over on this side. Uh, and you notice my hair is pretty gray this morning. Uh, choir rehearsal on Wednesday night was very slim because a lot of people are out of town this weekend. That brings up, that's why I'm here this morning to talk with you because it would be great if you could help us out in growing the choir in order so people uh, that make their commitment to the choir and sing every Wednesday evening and every Sunday morning, week after week, have that option to take time with their families, etc., and not feel guilty about it. So if you could help us in that respect, that'd be greatly appreciated. Next Sunday is Reformation Sunday, and we will have a brass quartet here. And uh, the choir will be singing two pieces, and the one piece, Christ is made the sure foundation, is, a, is an anthem uh, hymn for both the congregation and the choir. So we'll be doing that next week. On October 28th, a week from Wednesday evening, we begin rehearsals for the Christmas Choir. So if you have an interest in singing in the Christmas Choir, would you please let my wife Pat or myself know or someone in the choir so I can contact you with the necessary contact information. Uh, we'll have folders ready for you so that you can use those. I've also had a request from a person in the congregation to sing in the Christmas Choir that wants a, a recorded voice line for that particular voice. So I'm going to try to do that for each soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. So if you want a recording, as this gentleman did, so he can listen to it in his car and, and have choir practice every day, uh, that'd be great. And then uh, 
we will be rehearsing the Christmas choir for our presentation of a service of nine lessons and carols on December 13th. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, you see the pumpkins outside. If you haven't gotten a pumpkin, make sure you get one. All of our proceeds from the pumpkins are going to go to support a new security system uh, for our children whenever they are on campus. I think that's enough announcements for you. That's probably what you can handle. So let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this beautiful morning and for a place in which we may come and gather and worship You. And as we sing Your songs and pray Your prayers and read Your text of Your desperate desire to reach out to those in need, help us to understand our calling, our purpose, our mission in Your name to be Your hands and feet to this community. As in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 67. with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
to have the children come forward for the children's moments. This would typically be a day when we go to the library, but Miss Beth isn't feeling well, so we're going to do it on a Sunday when she's feeling well. up here. Y'all ready for Halloween? Yeah. You are? <laughs> well, good. Are y'all all planning on coming to Trick or Treat Saturday night? Yeah. Trick, trick or Trunk, I'm sorry. Trick or Trunk Saturday trunk or night. Trunk or Treat. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> trunk or Treat. No. Well, good. Have you, uh, have all of y'all gotten your uh, costumes ready? Yeah. You know what you're going to be? Everybody does? Well, I've got mine ready, too. like that pretty good I'll tell you what I've got one I want each one of y'all to put one of those on right now okay everybody got one put it on put it on Okay, other than the fact that y'all look ridiculous, what, uh, what else do you notice? You all look the same, don't you? We all look exactly the same, don't we? Well, guess what? Even if we all look the same, we're different, aren't we? I mean, some of y'all have brown hair, I see a red head. Some of us have blonde hair. Um, you've got brown eyes, green eyes, and and, uh, and then I'm up here with almost no hair at all. But we're different on the inside too. Now y'all listen. I know it's funny, but listen. Um, so if we are to um, not always all look the same. We're different on the inside as well, aren't we? Um, some of you um, may be good at sports. Some of you may be good at math or reading. Some of you may be, can run fast. So we're all different. So we all have different gifts, right? Y'all all have different gifts? Put them on. Leave them on. You have to leave them on. Okay. Well, in Romans 12, Paul tells us that we all have different gifts, and they're given to us by God. And he tells us, he goes on to tell us that if you can see into the future, then to do it with faith. Uh, if you can serve, then be a servant. We know what that is. If you can teach, then be a teacher. If you can help others, then, then be generous. And if you can lead, then be a leader. And he also says, if you can show mercy, then to do it cheerfully. 
So we all have different gifts. Look at all those people out there in the sanctuary and the congregation. They all have different gifts. Look back up here, the choir, they've got the gift of being able to sing. And Mr. Shackby back there has the gift of being able to play the organ and the piano and the harp and to write music and the pastor has the gift of being able to teach and inspire us. So we all have different gifts. What Paul is telling us is that we should do good things with these different gifts. So even though we may all look the same right now, we're different. We're special in God's eyes. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father God, bless each one of these children, and we pray that the gifts that they have will be used to glorify you. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, we recognize so many among us that are hungry, that are thirsty, that are ragged, that are homeless. And at times when we see those people, we can be overwhelmed by it. We can wonder if they put themselves in that place in the first place and maybe they should dig themselves out. But Lord, as we read Your text today, as we understand the human condition, the brokenness within each human being and the fullness that comes in a relationship with You, we ask that You bless us, that You bless our time together as we read it, that You help us to understand it, that You help us to be the people You would like us to be. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now offer our tithes and other offerings. If you will pass the attendance register across the um, pew, and if you're a visitor today and would like us to contact you, please put any form of contact info you like.
Our reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please stand for our hymn as you're able, number 454. Be seated. 
continuing our series today uh, from the book, Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. These are things that if your church is doing these things, if you're 25 people or 2,500 people, you're doing the right thing. And today we're talking about risk-taking mission and service. And the first quote of the day is, risk-taking mission and service includes the projects, the efforts, and the work people do to make a positive difference in the lives of others for the purposes of Christ, whether or not they will ever be a part of the community of faith. So there's a number of things to love about Greer. Downtown has so many opportunities to gather, so many restaurants to enjoy, such diversity and such quality, such pride in the generations of people who have been here for a long time or gone away and come back. The mayor and city hall and the chamber planning far into the future. And something I didn't realize was going to be great is the proximity to everything. And there's not a thing that's not pretty close in this area that you would ever want to go. So Asheville's less than three, Knoxville's less than three, Columbia, Charleston, feel, you know, Charleston feels like almost three, Charlotte, Atlanta. I bet you Chicago's about three hours from Greer if we looked it up on the map. Maybe New York and Boston's probably five. But proximity to everything... The passion of the people here, the plan for the future, are all fun. But pound for pound, I haven't seen a community care for people on so many different levels and so many different ways. These are just a couple. So the soup kitchen has a meal for 150 plus every day. Greer Relief helps people pay their power bills in the most crucial time. The Christian Learning Center helps students in school. Greer Community Ministries helps the elderly in their homes. And there's a STEP program coming that is a 90-day program helping people get up on their feet. It, instead of getting them a job and then maybe getting them housing, it's giving them housing in order to give them a job. Um, counseling, care, Bible study, all sorts of stuff, reaching out to the people. Um, a number of times in a community you'll see ministries that are doing very similar things sort of stepping on each other and wondering if the other should exist and wondering if they're doing a better job. This community is very diverse in what it offers and how it helps people. And so risk-taking mission and service isn't really hard in this community. There's a number of opportunities. And with that in mind, let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. And I've learned lately that we have two different Bibles in the pew, so I'll tell you that it's in the neighborhood of page 1542. If you find 1542, you'll find it pretty close in your Bible. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. This is Jesus explaining to his people the nature of their calling. That the people he is mentioning might as well be him who is in desperate need. This is Almighty God, creator of all things, present in human form on this earth. Now you could imagine a big crown or a big chariot or a big parade or lots of fireworks or uh, maybe lots of military, any number of ways that you can celebrate an enormous, significant dignitary coming to town. 
but Almighty God is taking the form of the hungry, the thirsty, the ragged, the stranger, the sick, the imprisoned. Now, I wouldn't think there'd be anything riskier than that. Than being in that form as who you are and trying to reform society entirely to get people focused on the poor. It's a total contrast to the Roman government surrounding him in every way. The Roman government uh, loves to have uh, these things called a triumph. And in a triumph, the conquering general comes back to Rome, having conquered uh, whatever nation it was in whatever direction it was, and he's got a group of people in front of him. He's got people that he conquered. He's got uh, all kinds of spoils, all kinds of uh, gold and whatever, candelabras. I don't know why candelabras come to mind, but fancy things. Um, uh, uh, animals, crazy animals from the region. And then his entourage coming back into town. And you got a couple purposes for this. One is to celebrate Rome to the people of Rome. You say, you know, you know what we Romans do? We win. And we win big time. And if you ever want to be part of something like this, you people who are observing this, well, you need to come up in the ranks. You need to go somewhere that doesn't have the um, powerful army or else an army you can conquer. You need to beat them. And you need to bring back everything that they have because um, that's what we do. We wake up and we eat and we win and we eat again and we go back to bed. That's what we Romans do. So for Jesus to contrast them in every single way would be very confusing for the followers of Jesus. Because if he were to say, I'm the Son of God and I'm here to show you the way, and they see uh, the Roman power and authority and victory, you would think, you know, I, I'd like some of that power and some of that authority and some of those victories. But you're telling me these people are our champions. The hungry and the sick and the thirsty and the ragged. But the Romans would say, eliminate risk, win, Acknowledge none of those people and bring everything back to, um, so that we can get everything. Just think of the vicious things humans do to one another when they want to win. When they want to eliminate risk altogether. What do gamblers do to sports when they want to win at gambling? What do politicians do to elections when they want to win the election? What do guys on Wall Street do when they want to make sure that their investment works out? They just make everybody else out there sort of faceless. And they think, what is the thing that I need to do in order to be completely victorious and be the champion in this situation? Jesus is the entire opposite. The interesting thing is he says this to people and this is their response. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? 
The king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So the thing that comes to mind when I read that text is when we say to one another, tell them that I sent you. Think about how many different scenarios that works out, whether it's a um, car salesman, whether it's a tailor, whether it's a um, uh, bridal dress or cake or a real estate agent. Someone who is in the service industry in a major, major purchase for you, that they probably give it every effort they can, more than you can imagine. But when you say, hey, I know this person, tell them, tell them I sent you. What are you hoping that person will do? You're hoping that they will share with them and that there will be a connection. That there will be a personal touch. Because even when we are trying our absolute best, there's something about the fact that when we know someone, there might be another percentage point or two that we have effort to try to make sure that we get it right. So it's the total opposite of that faceless, who cares what any of them are doing anyway, because we're getting what we want. It's very personal. Figure that when you see them, you are seeing me. David Lose is one of my favorite theologians. Whenever he talks about Scripture, I write it down, and this is what he said about this text. If we want to experience God's presence fully, deeply, and truly, we will look for God in the need of those around us, and indeed in our need as well. So that's a totally different spin. We can see the need in others all the time. Very clear. And I think we're actually more inclined to help others than to do something for ourselves. If we're here all the time, we're talking about this all the time, and we say, well, you know, it's those other people that really need something. But he says, look for God in the need of those around us and in our own need as well. Would you imagine that Jesus is in your actions and in your words regardless of those actions and words? present amongst you. That Jesus is in those people that you see in this community in whatever level that they are. You know, we can sort of be hard on people that are doing really well, too. And think, there's no way Jesus is in that. There's no way that they need help. There's no way that they're broken. There's no way that they're hungry. But he says, when you look out and you see those people, figure on there. Of course, if we see need like that, sometimes we can panic and think, I don't have what it takes to do that. I totally get that. Because in 1998, I did a mission uh, internship for a summer on Johns Island where we fixed people's homes who couldn't afford to fix them. And I was between sophomore and junior year. Uh, what would that make me? It made me between 20 and 21 for eight weeks on John's Island, and for one week, a youth group would come from all somewhere on the East Coast, and they would come to fix people's homes who couldn't afford to fix it. And my job was to take them around and show them what needed to be done, and then make sure they had the resources to do it. So imagine teenagers who are um, passionate, but their skills, you know, they're kind of all over the place. And imagine the 50 
to 70-year-old guys who are totally proficient at this work, who like details ready, who show up early and want to be told exactly what needs to be done so that they can do exactly what needs to be done. Imagine me at 20 telling those people something. So I, you, you know, you give me a nail and a hammer, you know, that's not, that's not really going to work out. If you give me crazy complicated directions before GPS exists, you know, I sort of struggle with that too. Some of our work sites were an hour or more away. And so there were times when, uh, and I also, um, for those of you that worked with me in these uh, months, you see how much I love to use Google Docs. Google Docs is a collaborative thing where people, multiple people can see a thing at the same time, which is important to me, but it also keeps a record of it, which is important to me because I have a terrible memory. And so if you had a 20-year-old who didn't have a great memory about whether it was the roof or the door, or the bathroom floor, who wasn't terribly handy, showing these men around, uh, and I didn't know exactly, I'm thinking it's this road, but I'm not certain it's this road. They loved me by the end of the week. <laughs> but the beginning of the week, they were kind of like, oh, this guy here. So had those three things been the only thing that I was doing during that summer, I would likely not be in ministry. I would not have been inspired to be in ministry. Couldn't do it. But at night, we would do devotions. And at night, we'd tell stories. And at night, um, uh, you could, we'd sing music. I could play guitar. And I learned that teaching them, teaching these people who wanted to know something was a gift of mine and that I could do it. And so... Um, what churches do very badly, many, many times, is put the right person in the wrong spot. They get someone who's gifted in a particular area and they say, yeah, I'm going to put you right here. Thanks. And then they come back three years later and this person goes, if you don't relieve me of this duty, I'm going to quit. And I'm probably going to quit anyway and I may never come back. But what churches, when they're doing it right, what they're doing really well is identifying what a person's skill set is and then placing them in something significant with that skill set. So think just for a second what the different skill sets are of going to the soup kitchen, of helping with Greer Relief, of helping with the Christian Learning Center, Greer Community Ministries reaching out to seniors, and the STEP program helping someone climb out of this place where they are. Those couldn't be different. And I've learned to just think, okay, I'm not gonna, uh, you're not going to send me up on a roof and that roof's going to be better by the time I'm done. But I have learned that I can go and mentor students in elementary schools, give them someone to listen to, give them someone uh, funny and inspiring to them, and give them a particular subject that I can teach them that they can know more. And then I'm doing my job. Understanding that being with that person is being with Jesus Christ. So knowing this, you have to ask yourself, what's my greatest asset? What is the thing that I'm willing to offer? What is the skill that I have? Or, you know what, there are certain people, this is my personality type, but they don't know it, they just get in the middle of it and then figure it out. That could be your asset. How can I reach out to one of those categories? 
one of those ways in which we reach out to people. Because this is what he said. Mission initiatives change the lives of those who receive the help. One woman who nearly lost every earthly possession in a flood said, I didn't cry when the water destroyed my home, but when I saw people from the church traveling from so far away to help me clean up and rebuild, I couldn't stop crying. Now what's interesting to me about that is I picked this chapter and this text for this day way before the Columbia flood. And so to read this text, and something I saw yesterday in the college football preview show was just fascinating to me. Now, um, I don't get into the Clemson Carolina stuff. I don't do it. So if you just set the Clemson Carolina stuff down and just listen to an in, there was a, a, a um, great player on Carolina's team, uh, Marcus Lattimore, who, well, he's from Burns, right? Marcus was interviewed in a barbershop about um, his response, the team's response to the flood. And he said, we went out to different places in the area and we gave people gift cards to different things. And he said, I thought the greatest thing that would ever happen to me would be to score a touchdown in williams Bryce Stadium. He said, but the greatest thing that's ever happened to me was seeing the response of the people as we took them those cards because they gave uh, us hugs that were longer than your average hug. Now, you think, okay, is that incredibly complicated? No. Did that mean everything to the person? Yes. So, um, what is it? That thing inside you that you can share with this community of which we already have amazing infrastructure, but we have people with needs. So as um, I keep making pledges to you as we go along with all of these different areas, I'm going to pledge to you that we're going to continue to focus on mission and service, both here and abroad, so that people who are totally set back in society are told that they are Jesus Christ, that they are significant, that their lives matter, and that our love can change them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand for our final hymn, number 568.
I'll remind you today that today is the last day to register for basketball. Make sure you go on our website and register if you want to play. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping to be a coach of one of our teams, and uh, we're actually going to pick out uh, jerseys and uniforms sometime in the next two weeks. It's one of my favorite things. It's going to be fun. So, what tools and talents do you have? What time do you have? What resources do you have? How are you willing to share them with this community that Christ may know that they are there, that they may know that Christ is there? Amen. Thank you.